Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight, we're continuing in a series of my favorite Bible characters and what I've learned from them. I hope you're enjoying this series, uh, listening to it as much as I am enjoying sharing it. Because uh, these Bible characters, you know, just like tonight, I just said to myself once again, what is, you know, what is the Bible character? Who is a Bible character? Who is someone in the Bible that I have learned something valuable from? And all of a sudden, just names, you know, flood uh, all the, you know, all the testimonies, all the accounts of all the people in the Bible that have taught us lessons. Pastor Ken shared this morning in our 11 o'clock service, uh, you know, a, a, a tremendous uh, admonition for us to image Christ. We need to be the image of Christ. That's what he wanted for us, for us to, you know, uh, be, uh, you know, like Jesus to others, that others can see Jesus in us, that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And he taught it using the tabernacle. It was an amazing teaching this morning. Yesterday morning, on Tuesday morning at 11 a.m., uh, I got to share on overlaying. What in the world does overlay mean? Uh, it's, it's, it's uh, as Pastor Ken uh, corrected the term this morning, or at least gave us a greater insight into the term. Uh, you know, for me, it's like, you know, laying yourself on top of one of the characters or one of the stories of the Bible. And when you overlay it, like Moses, for example, Moses can represent God. And then once you lay God, uh, uh, you know, on top of Moses, then all the other players. Moses can represent Jesus. Moses can represent a born-again believer. Moses can represent a shepherd. Moses can represent a father. And the, 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 the Word of God is so multifaceted and so multidimensional that we can glean truths, whether it's a truth for our family, a truth for our community. Moses can represent the Supreme Court justices, you know, because he was a, a judge. The people came before him, and he told uh, his leaders that you judge everything you can and you bring me only the big matters that you can't judge like a Supreme Court judge you know and uh, on and on through the Word of God we see these overlays that uh, uh, stories and, and people and accounts we can find so many truths for life if you want to know how to be a good parent, if you want to know how to be a good business leader, if you want to know how to be a good friend, if you want to know, know how to be you know, a, a good a sibling, you can find accounts in the Bible and you can just put your name on top of that and then look at who you know, the other characters are and how the Word of God teaches us to interact with life. Well, uh, thematic motif is what Pastor Ken called it this morning. Uh, thematic motif. Doesn't that sound so much better than overlay? Thematic motif. I like that. The thematic motifs of the Bible. Uh, and uh, so at any rate, tonight I'm going to encourage you to put yourself in the story of Boaz tonight from the book of Ruth. 
because we're in, uh, you know, as again, I, I said, my favorite Bible characters and what I've learned from them, we are already to our 10th character. And tonight, uh, I'm going to share with you what I have learned in life and some applicable truths that I have learned from this Bible character, this man named Boaz. Now, uh, when you get to the book of Ruth, it is written, you know, about a period of time when there were judges judging the earth. When the children of Israel came into Egypt, excuse me, came out of Egypt and finally got into the promised land, then between them getting into the promised land and the first king was about 400 years. Them getting into the promised land was about 1,500 years before Christ. And the first king was about 1,100 years before Christ. Something on that line, give or take. It was a period called the Judges and the period that we read in the book of Judges. Well, it was during this period that Ruth lived. It was during this particular period, perhaps around 1200, maybe 1175, maybe 1185, different scholars have different opinions about it. But somewhere between 1200 AD, excuse me, BC, and 1150 BC, Ruth uh, comes on the scene. And uh, what happened, to lead us up to where we're going to be reading from the Word, uh, what happened is, is that there was a famine in the land of Israel during that period. Now, a famine occurred for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes there was a famine because there was no rain. But sometimes there was a famine because of the Midianites, as it was in the days of Gideon. They said there was a famine, there was nothing to eat in the land of Israel because of the raiding that the Midianites were doing in coming across the Jordan River and into Judea and into Samaria and stealing all the food. Now, that's why God raised up Gideon, you know, to, to, uh, in, in, in that time. And so uh, we don't know exactly why there was a lack of food, but there was a lack of food in Israel. So much so that one man got tired of there never being any food in Israel. He got tired of this. His name was Elimelech. And Elimelech took his wife, Naomi, and his two sons, Malon and Kilion, and took them and moved them and went east, you know, around the Dead Sea and then right across the Dead Sea from Judah to the east into the land of Moab. And there, Elimelech started making a living in the land of Moab. And he was doing okay, and his sons grew up, and they were doing okay, and his sons married Moabite women. One of them's name was Orpah, the other one's name was Ruth. And everything was going along pretty good, but in the process of time, Elimelech died. And then, his two sons died. Now, it's perhaps apparent that they had, you know, uh, there were these three women, they hadn't had any children, they had been married perhaps even a decade, but no children. And so here they are in, in the land of Moab, and Naomi realizes that I need to get back home. 
You know, I'm running out of food. I'm running out of money. You know, I don't have a husband that's working. I don't have sons that are working and taking care of me. And it's just me and these other two ladies. I got to go home. And so she told her daughters-in-law, I'm heading back to, 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 to my homeland, back to Bethlehem where I'm from. And uh, she said, you girls just stay here because there's nothing for you there. And both of them quickly said, oh, no, we'll go with you. And she said, no, no, you don't understand. <laughs> You're Moabite women, you know, and, and there's nothing for you there. No future for you. Well, the Bible says that Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law, she kissed her mother, but that's as far as it goes. And a lot of people are kissers, okay? They'll kiss you and say, I'd like to go with you but they won't go with you, okay? And uh, they're, they're different. I'm, in fact, I, I remember about 35 years ago preaching a message called Kissers and Cleavers. I had heard it from another preacher. Kissers and Cleavers because Oprah kissed and Ruth clave. There's a difference between a kisser and a cleaver. And Ruth refused to leave her mother-in-law, and she said, nope, I'm going with you. Y'all know that famous passage, you know. Oh, what a, what a wonderful covenant and commitment that Ruth made, you know. Wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. You know, don't ask me to leave you. Don't ask me to turn back from following you. You know, your people will be my people, and your God my God, and where you die, that's where I'm going to die, and that's where I'm going to be buried. Boy, what a covenant. Well, the Bible says that Naomi just went ahead and shut up headed back to Bethlehem, and Ruth went along with her. When they got back to Bethlehem, it was during the springtime. They probably got back somewhere around maybe the second week of March, maybe. How do I know this? Maybe the third week of March. Because the Bible says that it was during the barley harvest. Well, the barley harvest begins the day after Passover. And that's in, you know, mid-March to early April. And so, you know, the Bible gives us so many details. So it was in the springtime. And, uh, you know, uh, they were harvesting barley. And so uh, Ruth, being the younger of the two ladies, she said, okay, mother-in-law, let me go out and let me glean. You all know, know what gleaning is. It's going out into a field that's already been reaped, or the reapers are there, and all you can do is pick up what they dropped or what they didn't get in the corners or what they might have missed, you know, and you get a little bit. And so Ruth, you know, conceivably could get enough if she worked all day long very hard, enough for uh, herself and her mother-in-law to eat every at least have a meal every day and that is that, that that's you know make a little bread every day it took about one-tenth of an ephath if you're reading from the King James or the New King James uh, whatever in the world that is okay uh, an, an ephath it was about seven and a half to eight gallons of barley it took one-tenth of an ephath we are told to make a, a, a loaf of bread big enough for a person to have all day long to sustain them all day long and so uh, you know Ruth is out working hard well it just so happened the Bible says <laughs> and nothing just so happens by the way okay but this is the Bible leading us up to the story. In her world, it just so happened that uh, she went into the field, into the portion of the fields that belonged to a man named Boaz. Now, while she was gleaning in that field, the Bible tells us that this man Boaz, who was a very rich and very wealthy landowner, 
Okay? He was in the, basically, the royal lineage of the house of, of, of Judah. His daddy was a prince of Judah named Salmon, who, who married Rahab the harlot. Okay? So here, Boaz is the son of Rahab the harlot and prince of, of, of Israel, Salmon, and he has inherited these fields all around Bethlehem as a part of the tribe of Judah, and he has gotten older and grown older and wiser and richer. Okay? And so he has a lot of servants working in the fields, but he, he, he comes out into the fields and checks on his servants and checks on his fields. Well, while he's out there, he notices that there's, there's a foreigner out here. There's somebody not like us out here. There's this young lady out here, and, you know, she don't look like us, and she don't talk like us, and, well, you know, what's she doing out here? And so he asked his servants, you know, who is that young lady? And they said, oh, that is Ruth, and she's been working hard all day long. Ruth, the daughter of Naomi. And he said, hmm, I know her. I've heard about her. All right. And so uh, it ends up that he had seen her being very faithful to find food to feed herself and her mother-in-law without complaint, working hard. And, uh, you know, uh, and here Boaz takes notice. The Bible calls Boaz a near kinsman. He is a relative of her you know, late father-in-law and a relative of her late husband. And so in verse 4 of chapter 2, let's read. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Whose, basically, whose servant is this? Okay. Whose, uh, you know, I mean, because there, it was a beggar, a servant of someone out here. And... Uh, Verse 6, so the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Now he's talking to the head reaper, to the head servant, one of his head guys. He's talking to the supervisor of his, um, of his you know, uh, uh, farm workers. Supervisor said that, you know, she asked me if she could please glean and pick up the leftovers, you know. And, and, and so, so she came, and she has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Oh, I like that. You know, I'm going to tell you something now. You going to listen to me? Now, I want you to listen to me. You will listen, won't you? And he said to her, do not go and glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have uh, I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, 
Go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So, in verse 10, Ruth fell on her face, bowed to the ground. She's found some kindness here. She's found some favor, and she's, you know, she doesn't even know why. And she said to him, uh, why have I found favor in your eyes that, I should, that, that, that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? I'm not, I'm not one of you guys. Why is it that you're being so nice to me? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father, your mother, and your land, the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, he said to her, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. What a good man. What a nice man. What a nice old rich guy. You know, taking notice of this, you know, young foreigner servant girl that is a beggar that is just, I mean, what a nice guy. Boaz not only appreciated Ruth working hard to take care of her mother-in-law, but he also encouraged Ruth to realize uh, that, that without regard to her past or who she was or where she came from or what other people thought of her, without regard to her past, she had now come under the wings of the Lord God Almighty. She had made a decision to come to the, to, to, to the nation of God, to the children of God for refuge and she would be repaid. He was giving her just a great word of encouragement, an evangelistic word that, listen, you've trusted God and you're not going to be sorry. You have come to the, to the house of God, to the land of God. You have come to God and you are under his wing now. You've come for refuge and you, you're not going to be sorry. Wow, amazing, huh? You're going to find refuge here. Well, Verse 15 tells us that when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves. Don't, don't make her go to the corners and don't make her wait until you have gotten everything. You let her come right in there among you. You're, you're, you're picking up, you're, you're, you're harvesting my barley. You let her be like one of the harvesters right there along with you and you do not reproach her. Don't, don't, don't get on to her. You just leave her alone. And also, verse 16, let grain from the bundles which you have picked, let grain from the bundles fall purposefully for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. I love what the King James Version says right here as he's telling his, his servants, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave her handfuls of purpose. Oh, boy, what a, what, 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 what a good, you know, image. Here, Boaz is known as a near kinsman, but we know him as the kinsman redeemer, which she will soon as well. That means the kinsman who has a right to redeem you, to save you, a right to claim, you know, responsibility and to take care of you. Well, that day, Ruth took home more than she and Naomi could eat. She took home an ephath. She took home seven and a half to eight gallons 
of barley grain after she had winnowed it after it, I mean it was the pure grain she just was left with the pure barley grain seven and a half to eight gallons which is not real easy to carry you know and she took it home and 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 Naomi looked and said my goodness where where did you whose field did you go to today and she said well I, you know she told her the whole story I went to a field of a man named Boaz wow Naomi said to her in verse 20 then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and to the dead he's not just doing this for us he's doing this also for Elimelech and Maon and and Kalion he's he's doing this for the living and the dead he's remembering our family bless him for his kindness and Naomi said to her this man is a relation of ours a kinsman of ours one of our close relatives <laughs> well you can read the rest of the story uh, I have gone over every verse of it uh, three times today you know uh, just uh, you know just just going to every uh, in every verse every word and just letting it you know ring in my ears and in my spirit and thanking God again for all the things that this man has taught me in life watching him you can read the whole story but it ends up with uh, with you know uh, Boaz marrying Ruth what a tremendous story it was a process that he had to go through in order to make that happen and he did what he should do he you know he he kept you know he he kept all the rules uh, scholars agree that Boaz uh, is, is a type and a shadow of of the Messiah that was born in Bethlehem just like Boaz was you know who takes a Gentile bride just like Jesus did and you know it, it this is you know the bride we are a picture of Ruth and uh, Boaz is a picture of, of our Redeemer. Boaz was nice to Ruth. He cared for Naomi's welfare, but he also cared for Ruth. He appreciated Ruth and, and, and her hard work and all that she had done. And, and uh, you know, uh, both Ruth and Boaz demonstrate the love of God when God creates a covenant between two people both Ruth and Boaz loved and cared about other people neither one of them praised the name of the Lord uh, was selfish or greedy they were both hard workers and and they were both willing to be inconvenienced for others they were both willing that 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 that, that the care that they had for others might cost them something they were willing to pay a personal price so that someone else would benefit you know they could have made it all about themselves you know I have a grandson named Boaz and you know uh, uh, you know reading this today realizing that he is so much like this character in the Bible so kind so loving uh, you know so willing to help what what what, what an amazing uh, uh, man this this Boaz was uh, this couple is the picture of a covenant relationship the people that God joins us with in covenant along the way in life. You'll find nothing more powerful and unfortunately 
nothing more uncommon than the courtesies that we show somebody because of kindness. Not because of what they can do for us, but because what we can do for them. Friends, neighbors, strangers, and even enemies, even foreigners, even people who are not like us, and maybe we don't even know if they do like us. But this is a picture. The, the, the overlaying of our life on the life of Boaz, if, if, if you laid your life on the life of Boaz, we would realize, you know, some similarities of principle and truth in our life. You know, we, you, you have been blessed. Boaz was blessed. That was one of the things that we know about Boaz. One of the first things they said about him is that he was a wealthy man. Well, we are wealthy, as, 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 you know, true. Uh, the Bible says a man's wealth does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. It doesn't show up in your bank account. It shows up in your heart. It shows up in your actions and your attitudes. You get to determine who you are in every situation. You get to determine who you are. You can't always determine, you know, what you go through, but you can determine who you're going to be in that scenario. You can determine who you're going to be whenever your friends go out and start drinking. You can decide who you're going to be in that situation. You don't have to be like them. You, you can decide who you're going to be whenever, you know, uh, your, your, your friends or your enemies, you know, uh, start doing something that, that, you know, does not represent who you want to be. You get to decide who you want to be. You can be that, that fussy partner, or you can decide you're going to be the person through whom the kindness and the joy and the life and the goodness and the covenant of God is seen. You know, your predicament of life does not determine who you are. Your situations, your circumstances, your tests, your trials, your tribulations, your trauma does not decide who you're going to be. You decide who you're going to be. You decide in every situation who you're going to be. And that's what we see with Ruth and that's what we see with Boaz. You know, we have been blessed just like Boaz was. Uh, you know, I have received an inheritance. Boaz received an inheritance. You know, he got his inheritance from his daddy. His, that was his daddy's lands. Well, I got my inheritance from, from my father. I have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. I have an inheritance reserved for me in heaven. I am a blessed man and I have an inheritance. I mean, uh, you know, I have a future. Boaz had a future. He, he, was, he, he was older, but he wasn't looking you know, like, like, well, you know, life is over. He was looking for a future. He had a future. And indeed, he had a great future. Not only he had a future, but his children had a future. And his children's children had a future. And his children's children's children had a future. One of whom was David, the king. Wow, I love that. That his children were important to God, and his children's children were important to God, and his children's children's children. You know, oh man, I have learned so much from this man that, that I need, like Boaz, I need to be a person of honor. I did, not doing things in the wrong way, doing things in the right way. He went to the gate of the city whenever he wanted to, to, to marry this young lady because there was one other person that was closer in relationship that had a right to claim all the land, the inheritance, and take the responsibility for the family and actually marry 
Ruth. So he went and he didn't do anything underhanded. He stood, he gathered 10 men, 10 elders of the city, and he said, okay, guys, I want y'all to witness. Now, listen, you're closer than I am. Do you want to do this? But he was very strategic. He said, you know, somebody's going to claim the land. The man said, well, I'm going to claim the land. It's mine. He said, okay, but you got to realize here, according to our law, the day that you claim the land, and you can do it, you're closer than me. And if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. But the day that you claim Elimelech's inheritance, you have to also marry Ruth and raise up a son to Elimelech and, and uh, Kalion. And the guy said, oh, wait, <laughs> I got to marry a foreigner to do this. I got to marry. The, you know, oh. No, that's OK. Hey, look, I don't want to do that. So he did what, you know, he was strategic. I love the fact that Boaz was a wise, strategic man. He was honorable, but he had a plan, you know. And the Bible says, be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. He harmed no one. He was right up front with them. And then, uh, as was the custom, uh, whenever you made an agreement with somebody, you take off your shoe and, and, and give it to them as an agreement. And that's what he did. And so that day, you know, uh, all of the responsibility for taking care of the family and for raising up children in the memory of the dead became his responsibility. And he was willing to be responsible. He obeyed the rules. He didn't go outside the rules. You know, we shouldn't go outside the rules. You know, uh, we, you know but be honorable. He took care of and protected, you know, others. And, and uh, you know, and also he taught the next generation. The men and the women who worked for him saw how he acted with her. And he, they, they saw what he did and what he didn't do. And he was raising up a next generation to be just like him. And indeed he did. Because, you know, it, it falls out that David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because Boaz was a man after God's own heart. And he raised up a next generation and a next generation and a next generation. If we're not watching we'll raise our children to be just like us and one day we'll do our best to get them to change <laughs> hello okay well so much can be learned from this man but let me give you as we close three main things that I have learned and 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 hopefully put in my life because of Boaz you know Boaz we we, we found him riding through his fields we found him, uh, you know, uh, he didn't have to, you know. Uh, uh, and, and he told Ruth, I have observed what you've been doing. He came out, he checked his field, he checked on his servants, and he had also, you know, knew what was going on. Listen, uh, number one thing I have learned is I have learned to check up on things. You know, uh, it's, it's not, you know, I, I have learned the value of checking up on things. And the things that I check up on, my things that I check up on, they know that I'm checking up on them for their good, not just for mine. Well, last night I was tired and I was just, you know, I was really, really, really ready to go to bed. I mean, I was. And my little puppy jumped up in bed and wagged his tail and looked at me like this and wanted to play. And I thought, well, you know, who's going to play with him if I don't? So I played with him for just a minute. And while I was playing with him, you know, uh, and he was having such a good time and he looked up at me, I could see that a little hair was growing, you know, into his eyes. Well, you know, uh, uh, I, I have cut him the last two or three times he's been sheared. Uh, and I said, oh, buddy, buddy, uh, that, you know, uh, 
I'm sorry, but that's either going to really affect your vision now or in another day or two. Come with me, buddy. And so I, you know, I stepped back off the bed and I, and I went into the bathroom. I said, you know, come with me. And he hopped off and he walked right with me. I said, hop up here, sweetheart. And, you know, he jumped up into my arms and, and I put him into my sink and I got the scissors out and he knows what's going to happen. And I said, you need to stand right there, sweetheart, okay, and let me get this. He just stood there and I took the scissors and cut all around his eyes, you know. And I said, okay, okay, does that look better? You know, and I rubbed his eyes and he went, <laughs> and I let him down and he just ran around. You know, he trusts me so much. You know why he trusts me? Because he's watched me and he's seen me. And he knows that I check up on him. But I check up on him for his good. The Bible says that a righteous man knows the estate of his flocks. He looks well, you know, that, that, that he takes care of things. Listen, uh, be the kind of person that checks up on things, even when you don't have to, that you go and check up on things. But make sure you're checking up on things. You know, uh, those that have been with me a long time know that I'm only checking up to see if they have some need. God checks up on us to see what we need. Not to see if he can catch us doing something, but to see if he can catch us needing something. I love that about Boaz. A second thing I've learned from Boaz is I have learned to do things the right way. You know, Boaz could have got what he wanted or he could have been moved with fear and said, I'm not going to get what I want if I don't do it a little under. But he didn't. He did it the right way. He went in front of it. What, what, what he did, he did out in the open. There is a right way and a wrong way to do something. Even when it's the will of God and God's hand was all over this, nonetheless, he still did it the right way. There's a right way to do anything. And I have learned that, you know, sometimes I have to challenge myself. But doing it the right way is always best. Boaz has shown me that. If it's God, God will take care of it. If I'll do it the right way. A third thing I've learned is I have learned that I want my children's children's children to play their part in the plan of God. That's what I want. I have realized that I have a future that lasts beyond my lifetime. You know, one day I'm going to, you know, leave this earth, but hopefully I will have lived in such a way and made such an impact, not perhaps on the world, but at least on my children's children's children so that they also understand the value of playing their part in the plan of God. Ruth, the fourth chapter, verse 21 says, Salmon begot Boaz. Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. You know, your children's children, children. Amen. Well, what have you learned from Boaz? You know, overlay your life. There should be some similarities. And if there aren't enough, you can start today by building your life in a way that it will reflect Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.